Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And welcome, welcome to guys at a mic talk back at your beautiful Monday here in the fine city of Chicago. Made that much more beautiful by a Chicago Bears victory over the Minnesota Vikings yesterday. A little Sunday night national TV. Plenty to talk about. We now know who our World Series compatriots will be. The World Series opens up on Wednesday. We'll talk some college football. The BCS standings are finally out. Woo! Who cares? But it was a great weekend at college football. A very, very sad moment, of course, in the world of auto racing. And we'll jump off the sports page as we always do. David Olson, our producer on the other side of the glass, playing the music. Hopefully the big dog going to join us in a second. Let's listen to some music and then we'll be off and running. Big Dog on the uh, other end of the line. Thank you for the music, David Olson. Big Sports Weekend. We got a little uh, World Series action coming up on Wednesday. Not sure anybody's paying attention, but uh, a pretty good weekend of NFL football. It was capped off by our Chicago Bears knocking off the Minnesota Vikings easily. 39-10. to 10. It was so easy, Big Dog, that uh, eight minutes left in the final quarter. Seven or eight minutes left. Turned off the TV, was able to get a quick early schnooze in rarely do i fall asleep before the end of the game but uh if anything exciting happened in the last seven minutes you'll have to let me know because i didn't see it how are you big dog coach it's funny that you said that because the last seven minutes of the game the person that i was waiting for the whole entire game anyway showed up so i have no idea what happened in the last seven or eight minutes of the game uh can we ponder a guess can you give us a little insight into the home life of a big dog who was the person you were waiting for? Please keep it clean. We are a family sports-oriented show. Well, it's uh, it's definitely a person of interest. Really, to say, Coach? Yeah, she Strong wasn't. Interest. wasn't a maid, but she might have been wearing a maid's outfit. Is that what you're saying? I don't believe so, Coach. No, <laughs> you don't believe so, huh? Well, we we have had some. Uh, we we've had the Polish cleaning cleaning crew come through the house every once in a while. Okay. Depending on, like, Did they the actually house. clean? Oh, they they did a they did a great job. As a matter of okay. fact, they cleaned out my buddy's top thruster, and he's missing a couple things too. <laughs> Cleaning taken to the next level, huh? Oh yeah, that, they took everything. It was awesome. <laughs> but it was it was just worth them cleaning the actual uh, the actual oven upstairs. Oh my goodness! Oh, that's outstanding. Well, I don't want to be teased and suspenseful to the end of the show. Did the uh, young lady finally show up? Oh yeah, she showed up. It oh. was it was awfully good, coach. I actually watched yesterday's game in a Starbucks on my phone. I knew you because know, I just got done working. I got done doing the. I had like options what I was going to do, so I watched the game on my phone. Not good on the eyes, coach. But when you're in a Starbucks, yelling "Go, Devin! Go, Devin!" as loud as you can, people <laughs> yeah. do give you an awful, strange look, don't they? That could be like you could be part of a TV commercial. You see them all now for you know the various different phones that you can watch TV. That sounds like. You cheering in a Starbucks, that could be a little promo for a future commercial. And then I walked down Halstead Street, Coach, because 
I don't know, there's just something in my blood that for 16 days a year I mm-hmm. have to watch the Bears game. I, I, it's like ingrained in me. It's like my grandpa did it to my dad, my dad did it to me, and I'll do it to whatever offspring I eventually ever have. And uh, so I'm walking down the street. I end up in a place called Greek Town Heroes. You know what I'm talking about? like the famous hero shop on, on oh, Halstead Street. Awfully good. Well, they built a bar next to it. I didn't realize it. From the outside, it looked pretty nice. I went in. And I, they actually had living members of the lifeaftermeth.com uh, website were actually in there. Really? Pretty shady crew, Coach. Doing a public appearance or just happened to be there? Yeah, well, no, they just happened to be there, I think. Okay. So I didn't spend too much time there, but uh, awfully good night, Coach. All right. Now, why, why are you trolling uh, local Starbucks and Halstead Street on a fairly late, at this point, Sunday night? That's what I'm saying is I'm trying to watch the Bears game at this point. And also meet up with somebody at the ah, same time. So okay. it, it was it was a different, definitely a different way to watch the Bears game. Mm-hmm. But when they win thirty nine ten, I guess it really doesn't matter which way you actually oh, watch the By game. The way, awfully good. Minnesota Vikings, awfully bad. I mean, really, really bad. By the way, speaking of those little TV uh, handheld things, there was a good commercial. And I'll even go on to another thought. It's got to be weird for you watching on a handheld TV. Uh-huh. If you see a commercial for a handheld, how does that work? That's uh, awfully difficult, especially like when they have, you know, uh, when they're actually showing the football game, I get confused because the picture isn't yeah. that perfect, you know, so uh-huh. it's, it's, it's very difficult. But you're on a handheld, you're watching a commercial for a handheld, that just seems like a somewhat, just a weird thought that came into my somewhat dilapidated mind. But the uh, the commercial I was talking about, you know, the teams get together uh, before the Right before the game, usually one guy's in the middle of the huddle pumping up the t- team, and they're all jumping up and down and chanting and shouting, getting fired up. Okay? Uh-huh. All right, so the commercial is they show that, and then they show various people in groups in the workplace, you know, at the park or with their family or whatever, watching that on their handheld. And the whole idea is the handheld is such a good picture, it's so real, that they get into it too. And you got the family jumping up and down, going hoo-hoo, everybody at work jumping up and down, getting fired up. Uh, the auto mechanics and the auto mechanic place jumping up and down, getting fired up. If you can imagine, I'm trying to describe it here, but it was a pretty clever commercial, I thought. <laughs> I'm totally excited right now, Coach. I can tell you're thoroughly, I'm, uh, thoroughly I'm moved really by fired that. up for it. I, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I'll bet you can. Uh, cool. You know, bottom line, is here's our analysis of Sunday night's game. Bears, good, real good. Minnesota Vikings, real bad. How's that for analysis? Yeah, that is definitely analysis. Uh, I mean, Donovan McDab, I really like the guy, but I, he really has nothing around him. You talk about a quarterback playing not to lose yesterday when he Ooh. was out there. And, uh, he's, like a, he's like a good piece of steak, a good piece of meat that is just way overcooked at this point. Yeah, it, it might be time for him to become a backup, an emergency quarterback. Yeah. I'm not kidding you. Like, he should be Michael Vick's backup in Philadelphia. Everything would be okay over there because, you know, Michael Vick's going to be hurt for like three or four games. Donovan McNabb could give you three or four games in a season right now. And, and I don't like talking about that way because I really actually like the guy. And then there's Purple Jesus, Adrian Peterson, one of the greatest football players in the world. And then after that, they got Jared Allen and what else? Percy they Harvin's got- not bad. You get, him a, you get him a real quarterback and it will make a difference. And by the way, watching Christian Ponder play for about two series, one of my comments that I have in my notes, I actually took notes for the show. Thank you very much, Joel. Um, was that thank goodness he didn't play the whole game because I think it would have been different. This could add some energy and just you know he's got he's got footwork he's got a little bit of panache to his game throws a decent ball I like this kid. 
and he's too young right now to be shaky in the pocket. I don't think he's been hit by an NFL lineman at full speed yet. You know, some of these old veterans, they get a little jumpy in the pocket. Did you see him moving around, sliding in, finding a yes. spot to, to yes. get his release point off? I was like, wow, that was, he actually looked like an NFL quarterback. If he's smart enough to play this, uh, that position, we'll see. But he did a definite nice uh uh, first couple series for Gershon Potter. He looks mm-hmm. all right. Yeah, and he was a surprise early number one draft choice by the Minnesota Vikings, a franchise that doesn't uh, draft quarterbacks in the number one round. So that was a surprise pick. But uh, yeah. I, I don't know. They're playing the Packers next week. I don't know if you want to throw him to the Wolves. Maybe you wait one game. But uh, he needs to be in a quarterback sooner than later. Donovan McNabb, love the guy. Tremendous. You know, he's a Chicago guy. Loved his career, the underdog story and everything. But he's cooked. Yeah, he's done. And like I said, he would be an excellent backup quarterback for somebody. I'm not even sure about that. The coach, he's a, he's a good guy. And he, if he came in, if he wasn't the number one guy, yeah, you're, you first know. of all, first of all, he'll take care of the veteran. He'll take care of the number three guy, the rookie on the on the roster. He'll be good in the locker room. Okay. And if you asked him to play three or four games a year when he wasn't the number one guy, he would come in and just be phenomenal as your backup quarterback. Yeah. And there's there's not a knock to say that a guy who went to four straight NFC championship games after 14 years in the NFL, now should be a backup quarterback. That's not a mm-hmm. knock on him. It, that's, the positions is very difficult. Yeah, to you're, you're right. I, I will retract the statement. You're exactly right. You're a totally different mindset. First of all, you're be, he'd be like a coach off the field, good attitude, et cetera. You are correct about that. And you're also correct, completely different when you're the starter playing regularly. As opposed uh-huh. to a guy like McNabb, even though he's done right now, but you're right, he could come in two, three, maybe even a fourth game and come and spark the team. So I'll take that. Uh, how many retractions per show am I allowed? Uh, you're only allowed one. Otherwise, Ooh. you're going to have to stick with what you said. Wow. Okay. I used my retraction already. How about, well, I, I got to ask you now, you're sitting in your Starbucks. Did yeah. you watch the very start of the game? I, I missed it, Coach. I thought, you know, uh. I'm like, oh, it's the Sunday night game. It doesn't start till like 7.45. I didn't know they started at like right at 7.30. So okay. I, I had no idea. I'm sitting there walking down the street, you know, taking my time saying, oh, look, Orion's out tonight. And the next thing I know, I'm missing uh, Devin Hester score like a 60-yard touchdown. Uh-huh. Is Orion Orion the star or Orion the guy who walks in funny clothing down Boy Street? Which Orion? Uh, no, well, he was in he was in great town last night. So oh, okay. It was, good to it, was, it was serious. There's a couple of Orions uh, hanging around the city of Chicago. One is, you know, when you look up at the sky, the other couple are, um, well, that's a whole other story. But I don't know if you heard or not, and Big Dog, I guarantee if you had the hot cup of coffee in your, that would have landed right smack in your lap. Second play of the game. Vikings got the kickoff. Second okay. play of the game. Bears confusion on defense. Brian Urlacher, the T sign. Time out. Time out. Time out. 48 seconds, 48 seconds into the game, the Bears use a timeout. I thought, oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> I'm surprised it took them that long to actually waste the oh time. My. Can you ma- Every Bear fan was thinking, oh, boy, here we go. This is going to be a horror show. And, of course, it completely turned around from there, and just about everything was positive. But that was not a uh, not a particularly good start to the game. <laughs> I'm glad you told me because I, I, I was going to watch the start again after the after I got done with the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, skip that part. Believe me. Um Hey, coaching adjustments. I don't know why we couldn't have done those simple adjustments at halftime of last week's game like the idiotic fans like you and me and the rest of us are, but seemed to be pretty simple. Jay Cutler throwing the ball very accurately. Let's sacrifice an extra receiver, uh-huh. tight end to block, keep a running back in the block, and give our quarterback some protection. I know that means less receivers, but that uh, very 
not complicated, very simple strategy, work quite well for the beloved bear. Yeah, the whole thing, you know, football has changed, Coach. You know, it used to be you got to run the ball, you got to stop the run, you know, all that stuff. You know, you want to do all that now. But honestly, you know, it's about getting turnovers. And if you can protect your quarterback or not when you're throwing the ball, because let's face it, everybody has to throw the ball in the NFL in order to win. You also have to be able to run it on third and two. So but if you can't protect your quarterback, you can't win in the NFL nowadays. It would be great if you can send five receivers out on every play, but you can't. And Mike Marks, did he learn it yesterday? Because what the, how about the fact they were actually protecting Cutler, giving him time, he's stepping up in the pocket, and all of a sudden he looks like he's uh, an NFL quarterback yesterday. He looked phenomenal. Just because he could step up in the pocket, it was, it's about time. And, and you know what? There's going to be days when they can send five out, Mike Mark. And it's, but it might take you a while when people realize they can't blitz you to death all mm-hmm. day long. Yep. So, yep. Matt Forte continued to run well. We got a uh, little bear frenzy. Oh, what a difference a week can make. Brutal NFL Monday night game. And then we're on national TV again and we, uh, played tremendously on Sunday night, three and three, which is the real Chicago Bears. We'll find out. But, uh, any listeners out there, you want to check in NFL football? We'll talk some college football as well. Got to sneak in some baseball talk also. 888-463-6748. The phone number, 888-463-6748. Big dog, unbelievably and beat the schmoes. Another uh-huh. winning weekend for David Olson and not three and up. Not three uh-huh. and up, but he coasted into another. Two and one. The guy is absolutely unconscious. Now, honestly, what that's though, he's he's phenomenal. So what that he's sixteen and five on the year, which is just below eighty percent, which is legitimately he could sell his yeah. picks for a hundred dollars a pick next week. Yeah. And, we're, and we're not like three weeks into the season. This is seven weeks of hard hard uh, duty here. The guy's yeah, that's, that's that's he's averaging more than two wins a week. No, how about no losing season? Seven consecutive weeks, beat the Schmoes, our football prediction game. Any three games, high school, college, or pro, against the spread. So you're betting, you know, with the spread. It's a pick em. Yeah. It's, it's a unbelievable. It's a coin flip. And yeah. he's you, on the other hand. 21. You, on the other hand, embarrassing. Well, Absolutely I embarrassing. Honestly, I honestly was extremely busy last Thursday night. I ended up in a place <laughs> called Haymarket. Okay? And I got home really late. And I totally forgot about beat That's... the Schmoes. And I picked the... Games as we were doing the show, and I don't even remember the three picks that I have. That's usually when you do your best work, though. No, I don't. Yeah, you've been out the night no, before. Yeah. Every time I think about it, I always win. Every time I, I, I'm out like too late, or who knows what the heck I did, and this happens, I embarrass myself. I don't even know the three <laughs> games I picked. Okay, I can't Mississippi, even. Mississippi, Mississippi, with the points against Alabama. <laughs> Alabama's ridiculous. We'll talk college football in a second, but those okay. those top seven. Well, I, I was as idiotic as you, Big Dub, because I picked uh, this to be college football upset weekend. Boy, was yeah. I wrong. I wish you would have thrown Indiana on there. By the way, Woo! we were talking about Indiana being 40-point underdogs, which they did not cover. They lost by 52, and it wasn't <laughs> even close. Okay, but I, I realized why. When I hooked the phone up, and I'm like, well, what happened last year? Why would it be 40? And I was like, I think they got beat really bad. And then uh, as I started watching the game, they remind us that last year Wisconsin scored 83 points against Indiana. I'll be honest. I didn't bet on that game. I would have taken Indiana in the 40. A Big uh, Ten team getting 40 points? Come on. Coach, Wisconsin had their backups in, in the middle of the third quarter and were still moving the ball at will. 59-7, right, final score? Mm-hmm. Wow. And it was whole hub. I swear to you, they ran the ball up the middle the last, the second half every single play. Every play, they ran the ball right up the middle. You took Baylor against A&M. That didn't work out too well for you. Robert no, Griffin III had a good game, but nobody else did for Baylor. 
uh, Baylor, they, they don't like the tackle there, and I, I should have known better. I just but Texas A&M is not as good as everybody else is saying they are this year, but all of a sudden they put it together against the game I finally go against. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Illinois Fighting Illini, you bet with your heart, you lose with your head, you bet with your head, you lose with your heart. Uh, the Fighting Illini have taken it on the chin to the Ohio State Buckeyes in a game that uh, will not exactly roam the highlight reels of college football. No, that was one of those games where I look back later and – I cannot believe I wasted three hours of my life watching it. <laughs> Tell you what, though, if you enjoy defense, and I did watch a good part of this game, the Ohio State University Buckeye defense, that was actually pretty entertaining. Now, I mean, there your, were some solid hits. They really they played a superb defensive game. Who's number 52 on Ohio State's oh, defensive boy. tackle? Because legitimately, uh, uh like Donovan Young should definitely get like a, a warrant against this guy. I cannot believe this big. He's got to be at least 380 pounds. Seriously, coach, he's he's going to be a first round draft pick, and he probably won't live past the age of 34. Okay, so he's got both ends of the spectrum. He's going to have an unbelievable life as an NFL player, and then he's going to die. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a man that fat in college before. <laughs> yeah, fat, but he could move a little bit. Oh, yeah, he can definitely move. Yeah. That guy can, I, I wish I knew his name, but that, he was dominating the line of scrimmage against Illinois. They could not block you that. Basically, you put him in the middle, you got a four-man front using only three people. Yeah, that's that's what they would. It's about I the best way I can describe it. That dude is a big – but the whole Ohio State defense, I thought, played – you know, part of it was Illinois' offensive ineffect, ineffectiveness. A big part of it, and I mean this in all sincerity, was Ohio State's defense was tremendous. And it was my first up-close and personal a little bit at Luke Fickle. The guy who took over for Jim Trussell, and again, it's just one game. I haven't studied the background of a Luke Fickle, but uh, I like the cut of his jib. I like the way he controls his team, like the way he handles the ball club. I like the way he works with the ref. He he has the look, young kid, but he has the look of a uh, Division One coach. If I'm an Ohio State uh, administrator or if they call me for advice to all, which they're wont to do on occasion, I say make Luke Fickle the permanent coach because right now he's interim only, correct? Uh, no, I think he got like a one or two year deal. But Coach Urban Meyer is Ohio State's coach next season. You tell me, Luke Fickle is out. Luke Fickle is out. Uh. Urban Meyer is Ohio State's coach next season. It's, All right. it's beyond written on the wall. When when they ask Urban Meyer about it, he gets like a smirk on his face and says, "I, I don't." Because Luke, Luke, Luke. All right, I got another angle for you then. Okay. I, I can live with that because I'm a Luke Fickle fan, but I'm not an Ohio State fan. If you've watched my Northwestern Wildcats play, they will most assuredly looking be, be looking for a new defensive coordinator next year. How about Pat Fitzgerald combining with Luke Fickle? Would that be an outstanding combination to bring the Wildcats to the next level? Uh, so you, I think Luke Fickle such an Ohio State guy that if they brought Urban Meyer in and Urban Meyer wanted him to be the D coordinator, he would stay there and be the D coordinator. Interesting. Okay. All right. I'd like to meet Mrs. Fickle, too. Luke Luke Fickle's like 34, 36. Very young, yeah. So, like, if they told him, you're going to hold a seat until Urban Meyer comes here, I think he would not be that offended. And understand, you're bringing in a guy with uh, uh, an undefeated season with two different universities, Utah and Florida, and Mm -hmm. also two national championships. So he's proven he can win at different levels. And when he was at Miami of Ohio, they won the MAC conference. Everywhere he's gone, He's got basically to the peak that that university could get to mm-hmm. for the level they were at. Yeah. Now you're, we're not going to 
quorum about the uh, qualifications of Urban Meyer, you're probably right. Luke Fickle would stay on, but I can always hope as a Northwestern fan. Bottom line is, I became a Luke Fickle fan over the weekend, and uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes knocked off our line. I played great defense. Now, here's the amazing thing. David Olson, you probably didn't catch that. David Olson, producer extraordinaire, helping us on the show. College football along with NFL, 888-463-6748. Ohio State beats Illinois, completing one pass the entire game. Don't even remind me, Coach. One pass. And it was with six minutes to go in the game. It's so unbelievable. For the first, for the first 90% of the game, they had not completed a pass. But let me explain the first quarter to you. You saw it. Uh, Merciless flies in and gets a sack on Braxton Miller the first time Ohio State tries to, ro- to pass the football. Yep. The second time, he chases Braxton Miller out of the pocket, and he runs for two yards. And the third time in the first half, uh, I don't know if Merciless got the sack or Buchanan, but there was like a double sack. So they've attempted to throw the ball three times now, and they've had two sacks and a, and a rush out of the pocket, and another time it was incomplete. So out of the four pass attempts, they were able to get one off. So you're saying, oh, that Illinois pass rush is incredible. Just want to let you know, Coach, they ran the lead draw play. Ohio State ran the lead draw play at least 40 times from the beginning of the second quarter to the end of the game. Mm-hmm. They ran the same play over. And all that happened was Merciless and Buchanan kept acting like they were pass rushers, would run up the field, and the Ohio State tackles would just put a grin on their face and turn their shoulders and not even have to block these guys. And it ends up being a 9-on-8 competition instead of an 11-on-10, which a defense needs it to be. Yeah. As a Vic Coney, the, the Illinois defensive coordinator, should have left the booth, went all the way down there, grabbed both his defensive ends by the <laughs> face mask, and been like, you guys realize that they're not passing. We're not in pass rush mode. You have to smash the yeah. tackle. Okay. Uh, how, I mean, how, after, after the 40th one, do you think the merciless should have scratched his head and been like, wow, I keep passing mm-hmm. the running back. He keeps running right past me. I was, I was so disgusted, coach. I wasn't even angry. At, like in the middle of the fourth quarter, I was just like, these are the biggest idiot coaches I've seen. I could not, and then the move, Ron Zook decides to go for it on fourth and two with a two score game and a Brutal. minute to go in the Brutal. game. Is that the worst call you've ever seen by yeah, a coach? Not ever, but I but I've been saying it for a long time, Big Dog. Ron Zook is just he is way overmatched as a head coach, and thank goodness he's not actually coaching the team now. They got the D coordinator, O coordinator, who were hired by Ron Gunther, not Ron Zook. But he is uh you know, he looks he passes the eye test, you know, if you don't know football that much, you think this guy's really in control. But if you know football and you watch, the mm-hmm. players don't really listen to him and and, and he he He's a perfectly nice guy. He's a good recruiter, good with the parents, I'm sure, great with mom, good-looking guy, but uh, he's not a Division One head football coach. Sorry. I don't, I'm starting to believe that now. I really am starting to believe it. I'd have no give, uh, give Billy Petrino the head coaching reins next year, honestly. I'm fine with it. I'm absolutely fine with it. Mm-hmm. He's put in his time as a, as a coordinator elsewhere, and as long as they – it's not like they're getting the peak, peak players anymore like they used to with, uh, with Zucker. So I'll keep the coordinators. I don't want to be that negative, Coach, because don't forget they're 6-1. Okay, and I don't want to sit here and be that negative. It was just such a frustrating loss the way they lost. I mean, if, if we would have lost this way in 1927, I wouldn't have felt that bad. Mm-hmm. But it's 2011, and a team completed one forward pass against you. Yeah, you would have felt worse in 1927 because that was prohibition. You wouldn't have been able to find any... Uh... <clears throat> any spirits to wash down that particular loss, Big Dose? You would have re- really felt horrible. Coach, there were Illini bars all over the north side. Come on. 
I, I, trust me, I'd be drinking out of Northside Dad. I definitely would not have been drinking out of Capone's Will. <laughs> I would have been drinking out of Dion O'Banion uh, uh, stuff, without question. Dion who? Dion O'Banion, the guy, the leader of the of the Northside yeah. game. You know him and Bugs really? Moran, coach. You know those stories. Yeah, not so familiar. I know I did my sophomore English theme paper on the Prohibition, so I should know this, but I'm not familiar with Dion O'Banion. One of my favorite stories about Dan O'Banion is this: one of his one of his capos, one of his captains, okay, uh-huh. got kicked in the head by a horse and died. And that used to happen a lot in the, back in Chicago and all the rest of America when before cars. I mean, yeah. that, well, the, they were so upset. Dan O'Banion ordered the rest of the capos to go find that horse. They they grabbed it. They shot it in the back of the head, uh, like Irish style, and left it for dead. <laughs> That's classic. So, a mafia hit for a horse. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, goodness. Can you imagine now if we had to check our engine and worry about, like, you know, some leg popping out and smacking us in the face while we're checking the engine? You look under the hood and you get a smack on the face. Hey, um, so now it just kills you slowly. You just choke on the fumes, and you just, you know, everybody gets it, but it just takes longer. Yeah, it's a different approach. Different uh-huh. approach. Big Dog and a coach bringing you a different approach to college and NFL football. Recap here before we get to our NFL roundup and wrap them up, a regular segment here on the Two Guys and a Mike Show Dog. I had commented a couple of weeks ago, and it appears even more so now that there's an elite seven. Feel free to disagree, but I said there's there are seven teams that have separated themselves from the pack. I picked it was going to be upset Saturday. It was not it was one blowout after another. I mean, you've got Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma, just unbelievable. I mean, they're playing good teams. I mean, LSU against pretty good Tennessee team blew them out. Yeah, uh, Alabama against a you know not a, not a bad Mississippi team blew them out. These teams are unbelievable. Yeah, and uh, I mean Oklahoma looks you know looks really good in a game that they're playing against Kansas, one of the worst teams in the country. But you can fall asleep in Kansas and not get it done. And they took control of the game from the start. Okay, then you got your other teams like Oklahoma State, who I, I'm yep. sure is in for Elite Seven. They're and in the top offense, seven. Forget, they got a 28-year-old Eric Whedon playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you got a, like a mature guy playing quarterback there. Uh, another team that I'm, I'm assuming that you would say would be elite would be a Wisconsin no with question. Russell Wilson. And by the way, if you're a quarterback and you win the Heisman, you have to have an incredible catch on your resume like Cam Newton did last yep. year or Eric Crouch. Well, uh, Russell Wilson has a touchdown catch on his resume from this yep. past game. So that's yep. good. Yep. Boise he's, he's, uh, Kellen, who was it, Kellen Moore last week? Or no, Andrew Luck got it. That's right. Yeah, Andrew Luck had an amazing one-handed yep. catch, keeping one foot in bounds uh, for, for the college rules to, uh, mm-hmm. to get the catch. Now, Boise State is your sixth team, right, Coach? Absolutely. Okay, so I, I probably could figure out who your seventh team is. Who is your seventh team? Well, they got to put the Clemson Tigers in there now. Oh, absolutely. Yes, you do. Dabo Sweeney, you just look at the results so far. They have beaten some quality opponents, and and they also have. Um, they have, Sammy Watkins is the most electrifying player in America right now, Coach. And mm-hmm. if you got a guy that can take the top off the defense, and you got a running game, and you have a a, a, a defense playing as well as they play, Clemson is legit, Coach. But I, they probably will be left out over all those teams that we just said. Without question, they will be the seventh team out of all those concerns. They're in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Well, what's impressive, though, you look at the teams they beat, too, there. I mean, the competitive level, the uh, you know teams they've had to knock off they've played. I'm not going to say it's the hardest schedule in the country, but they've played solid teams almost from the get-go. And 
uh, it, typically Clemson teams, you know, will win some big games, but then they'll lose a couple too, you know, five and two, four and three. This year's team is just rolling. And as you said, Dabney Coleman, is that the coach's name? Dabo Sweeney. Ah, that's right. Dabney Coleman was the boss in the, uh, <laughs> I had to throw that in for David. I knew it wasn't, I, Dabney Coleman, da, what's his name? Dabo Sweeney? Yeah, Dabo Sweeney, coach. God bless you. Love Dabo Sweeney. I did YouTube, by the way. I did listen. I YouTubed his run out into the field. And you, and you didn't see it? No. I, I'm really not sure what, what, what's going on with, with that. I have to admit, when I watched it on ESPN, they had to like kind of point it out. They had to point the arrow out, and they, and they show him they're all by himself celebrating, and the player's not running down. It's good stuff. But mm-hmm. there, there's other stuff that you probably need to YouTube before yeah. you the Dabo Sweeney stuff. Have you YouTube Illinois River Asian carp hunting yet? Uh, not yet. Tell me why I would want to YouTube Illinois River Asian carp hunting. Well, uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but those, those darn fish have uh, dominated the Mississippi River, and they don't totally control the whole Mississippi yet, but they eventually will. But they control the whole Illinois River, and they're trying to get into, uh, what do you call it, uh, the Slain River. Okay. Well, anyways, when this, the boats go through, when anytime a motor hits the water around these fish, they jump out of the water. And since there's millions of these fish in the water and they grow up to 100, uh, 100 pounds, what ends up happening is you get a bunch of pontoon boats of drunken central Illinois people with football <laughs> helmets and racing helmets on. These millions of fish start jumping out of the water. It's one of the most, it's a biblical coach. It's one of the most amazing things that you'll, that you'll ever see. The guys that win these contests, they try to have a contest who can get the most fish in their boat. Mm-hmm. They'll end up with a, a ton of fish in their boat. I'm not getting you a ton. Right. Not you know. Originally, I'm like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Now it sounds like must see TV. Give me that YouTube site again. Just, just go, just YouTube the search Asian carp hunting, Illinois River. I'm marking that down. Yeah, there's, there's, you'll have so many. Actually, it's, it's almost addicting, Coach. When you see what, because you know these people that they go flying down the river, okay, and all of a sudden these hundred pound <laughs> fish start jumping out of the water. Hundred pound fish. Just say you had a small person. We're talking big. A lion was okay. on the boat, and it got hit in the side of the head with one of these fish. <laughs> They're going out of the boat. There's no way. There's no uh, way to be able to say it. Somehow I knew the four-foot-two Mayans would re-enter the discussion this week. Well, <laughs> I, so there's got to be an injury factor. If you got fish that big jumping out that many at a time, forget about catching at them. I'm running for my life. Well, uh, that's why Well, they had prize money. Like, whoever had the most fish won 100 bucks. Wow. <laughs> Right. You know how much like a hundred bucks will go like at a mom pa's shop in uh, in Central Illinois. I got to. I think these guys did more for the sport of it. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> wow. People tuning into the two guys at a mic show for NFL football recap, hard hitting football analysis, and they get Asian carp talk on the Illinois River. But actually, I found it quite fascinating. Thank you very much, yeah. Big Dog. Well, you will bring us the stories that many of us are not as aware of. Sometimes we're not particularly happy you brought us the stories. Sometimes we are, but, you know, we get a little bit of both, but I appreciate that. Yeah, I don't know how we got on that one, Coach. No, I said I, there's no reason to backtrack. I enjoy that kind of conversation. Who the hell wants to hear us talk about football anyways? Well, the, the only thing is, but, well, we were talking college football, so yes. that, that is, a kind of, it is a little bit of a passion. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a lot of bit of a passion, but that doesn't mean we know any, anything more than anybody else. But if you want to chime in on Asian Carp, college football, we'll get to our NFL round-em-up, wrap-em-up in just a sec. You can uh, dial it up, Coach and the Big Dog, user-friendly. Sports Talk Radio, 
48. By the way, dog, while you were uh, dismally getting smacked on the backside and other body parts and beat the Schmoes and David Olson cranking along, I produced yet another two-and-one record, so I am officially in bounce-back mode. Thank you very much. Oh, very good. That, that's excellent. Now, I hope you took the Bears. And looking back, the Bears own the Minnesota Vikings, especially at home. And I wish I would have done one pro game this week and had it been the Bears. Mm-hmm. So, but but I, I'm glad you're finally winning a couple games, Coach. Yeah, I Thanks. didn't. I, I, I got burned on the Lions in Frisco. I thought for sure San Francisco's bubble is going to burst. And watching Detroit play the Bears, I thought they're for real. I thought actually the Lions, you know, were going to win like – 28 to 10, but that one didn't work out as the 49ers, uh, I guess. Can we say they proved they're for real, Doug? Yeah, they're definitely for real because they can run the ball and uh, they protect Alex Smith, even when it gets that ferocious pass rush. You know, I was watching, you know, I was watching NFL Red Zone on the phone yesterday going to work, and the 49ers had three false start penalties on like the first 10 plays of the game. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. So they. The Detroit Lions fans are getting it done. I mean, obviously, I don't want it to happen to the Bears, and there's no excuse for it. But, folks, just to throw it out there, the the Bears didn't just have a problem with the 49ers in a victory, had a major problem with it against the Lions. Well, we will. I'm, I'm looking up at the screen. They've got the 49ers up on the screen, Big Dog, with the question, can the 49ers run the table the rest of the way? <laughs> that could be the most ridiculous question I've ever seen. The 49ers? Well, I'm going to be rooting for the 49ers all year long. Every time they play the Saints or anybody else, I want them to just completely dominate everybody. I want all the division winners yep. this year to destroy their competition. After yesterday's so, victory, Big Dog officially now with the Chicago Bears, you are in wild card mode. Yeah, I, like I, was, I honestly think, why can't the Bears get the 60s? I tried to tell you that last week. I, and I believe you. Yeah. And I've been, I've, I had to convince Brian was on top of the house, was going to jump off. I mean, it was, it was a really short part of the house. I don't even think he'd have hurt himself, but still. You know, that cry out for attention. The Bears season's over with. And, you know, Claude and I had to calm him down. We talked him down. It was all right after that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, they were four and three last year, and people, they were four and two, and they lost a horrible game, and Cutler almost got killed again. And then, but the season's over with. Next thing you know, they're hosting two playoff games. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, yeah, you're right. It isn't time to cash in the season. But it, as I'm watching it now, I'm, like, picking out particular teams. I think they're going to win divisions, and I'm hoping they just – like, I want to see four division winners this year that are, like, 13-3, and three, Coach. So that way everybody is, like, 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and, and the Bears can sneak in somehow to that. Now, that the pick. biggest issue we got is the New Orleans Saints and the 49ers, right? Uh, well, don't because... they're in different divisions, okay? Well, you have – but, like, the – I do think the Niners are winning that division, Coach. And I don't think the Bears have to worry about the Seahawks, Cardinals, or the the Rams, mm-hmm. okay? But in the NFC South, you know what I mean? The Buccaneers and the Saints, the Bears are going to have to be better than the team that loses out of that. And I don't know if they're going to And don't forget, you've also got Atlanta in the NFC South. Yeah. They're sitting, well, they're sitting at 3-3. Three and three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very they're, they're unimp- three coach, and they played awesome yesterday, and they played horrible early. The last couple of weeks, they've played better football. So yeah. there's there's a lot of competition out there for that sixth spot. A lot of competition. Well, the Atlanta Falcons, I mean, they've been flattered in the Queen of Hearts, but you're right, they've got the talent to break out. Roddy White's mm-hmm, been mm-hmm. just a complete I mean, dud. Yeah, it's, you look at the NFC West, you have you have nobody there. I mean, San Francisco is going to run away with that division because you've yeah. got Seattle, Arizona, and St. Louis, and between those three teams, they have three wins the entire season. And, and in the East, David, 
there is definitely going to be competition for, for, for more than one team to make the playoffs. But I, I think it's going to be one of those years that the NFC East only gets their champion in, and who knows who that's going to be. I, I don't see the Giants, the Redskins, the Eagles, uh, or the Cowboys really running away and having a second team good enough to make the playoffs out of that division. So it's either someone out of the South or the Bears that is going to the that's going to get that sixth seed coach. So basically, we need to keep on rooting against the Saints, the Falconers, the Falcons, and the Buccaneers, even if they're playing mm-hmm. the Packers or the Lions. And I know that might be difficult for people to realize, unless the Lions just collapse, which would be awfully good. We still have that hope as Bears fans that. Detroit becomes Detroit again, but with Endemic and Sue and Calvin Johnson, I don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So unless Matt Stafford gets hurt, and I'm not rooting for injuries. Yeah. I need good karma. One thing we're sure about is as sure as you could be in sports, the Packers aren't going to collapse, and that will lead us into our uh, no. NFL round-em-up wrap-em-up. Big dog, you ready to go? You all strapped in here a little. Uh, we'll try to get this done in maybe four minutes and 18 seconds. A quick, spirited, brief, but nevertheless exclamation marked tour around the NFL of yesterday's uh, ball games. Well, before we start, I just want to say, I don't want to talk about the Packers. They're a juggernaut to the best team in football. How about that? Is that enough that I can say about them? Nah, i got to bring them up briefly. Okay, then I know exactly what I'm okay. going to say, and you're not going to be happy about it. <laughs> All right, let's go. Here we go. NFL round them up and wrap them up. We already mentioned the San Francisco 49ers knocking off Detroit 24-19. to One of the games of the day came down to the final possession. Alex Smith with a touchdown pass on a fourth down, six yards to Delaney Walker. You had the coaches getting into a little battle after the game. Big Dog 2 upstart teams right now. San Francisco a little bit more upstart. What did you think about the coaches uh Little scuffle at the end of the game. Yeah, both of their explanations is, is uh, it was kind of funny. Now Jim Schwartz says that you know, he got a shove at the end of the game. You know, I watched it. It was Harbaugh running around acting like a goof. He shouldn't <laughs> have been that offended by it. He really shouldn't have been. Yep. Okay. And first of all, Harbaugh, calm down. Calm down. You realize you're choking the other coach's hand for a split second. You got to get your heart rate down. The good game and go back to uh, chest thumping all your your, your teammates. Hopefully too much is not made out of this, and I'm with Tom Jackson, who's always old school. You know, I'm always about old school, Coach. Sometimes you got to do things the way they used to do it. It's all right. Like the way Tom Jackson said, why are, why are coaches shaking hands anyway? Uh, there's no need for it. What? I, I, don't, I, I know I'm in the minority here, and I love sports. Why? In the old days, George Hallis and Vince Lombardi, would, Lombardi and Hallis would not shake hands? What? Are you kidding me? Never. Never. Really? Never. As a matter of fact, there's stories of George Hallis going into Vince Lombardi's office before games talking about, I'm going to blankly blank your ass. Oh, that's not. I can't. And you better be careful leaving the stadium. See, that's the I want it back to that. No, no. In this case, old school would be bad school. (laughs) Come on. The coach is shaking hands. That's that's good stuff. You got to do that at the end of every game. No, 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 no. I only believe they should shake hands if they're friends. I don't want to see no phony stuff out there at Mm -hmm. all. That's one of the biggest. Oh, good game. Congratulations. Whatever. You want to rip the dude's face off. If you want to rip the space off, leave it at that. Walk off the sidelines. I, I don't like the fake stuff, coach. I don't like it. All right. There you go. Old school big dog Joe Redwanski, NFL round him up, wrap up. I know you don't want to talk about this, but game two on the dock at the Green Bay Packers. Six in a row in the season, lest we forget the way they finished last year. Twelve games in a row. They're becoming a dominant team. Just another day in the park. Aaron Rodgers, three touchdowns, 300 yards. Green Bay keeps the train rolling, big dog. Yeah, Green Bay doesn't score in the second half. I do see problems ahead. And classless <laughs> A.J. Hawk gets a sack and decides to flip off yep. the sidelines, give him the bird. And then his excuse is, 
I didn't know anybody was watching. Oh, yeah, because there isn't 800 cameras inside an NFL stadium. He visited his daughter's classroom, uh, kindergarten classroom, the week before, and I think similar to Babe Ruth and other athletes, he said he was going to do it for them. Well, uh, was he trying to say, hey, I'm number one? It's a a heartwarming story. This is my IQ. (laughs) Hey, by the way. I I actually know that I've ever had. Help me out. They're kind of cool and they're kind of ugly. What was the deal with the Green Bay Packers? I don't know if you call them retro. What the hell were those uniforms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they were definitely retro. They were the 1929 jerseys, wow. the first ever NFL championship year. Wow. They Did... eked out the Bears that season. Trust me, I've already looked it up. Okay. It's actually they, a good they, strategy because they... those uniforms make you look slower. So I think it lulls the defense into a false sense of comfort, and then, uh, boom, you explode right by them. I think that worked to their psychological advantage. I think I'm the only person who loves ugly throwback jerseys. I, I, I think they're phenomenal. When the Bears wear their blue and orange striped ones that everybody yeah. wants to puke on, I, I love them. I love those jerseys. Mm-hmm. I can't get enough. <laughs> All right, game three in the NFL roundup, wrapping up Tampa Bay and New Orleans. Heck of a game here. New Orleans, uh, or Tampa Bay, I should say, coming off, lest we forget, 48-3 to pasting last week against the 49ers. Uh, proof positive that in the NFL you can turn it around quickly in one week. What a difference it makes. Tampa Bay, impressive performance. They upset the Saints. The Buccaneers are back, Big Doug. Yeah, the Buccaneers are the youngest team in football, and it also shows that a team is never as bad or never as good as we think they are from the yeah. previous week performance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and how about this? The story of this game, how often does this happen? Not one, because I know you know Sean Payton uh, got hit by Jimmy Graham. Ouch. And his, his leg was broke in half. Did you see it, Coach? I did. Oh, it's disgusting. So Sean Payton is going to have his having surgery probably right now. Also in that game, the DB coach from the Buccaneers tore his patella uh, tendon in his knee, and he was out for the end of that game. How often have you ever heard of two coaches knocked out with knee coaches? Knocked out with knee injuries in a football game, Coach. That I did not see. That I was not aware of that. But i uh, tell you, coaching on the, on the sidelines – not for the faint of heart. Uh, no. well, Joe Paterno now does a lot of the games upstairs. He can't get out of the way. Remember, remember Charlie Weiss? Was it his first year? Second year? In Notre Dame yeah. when he was overweight, he got crashed and he was on crutches for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's, uh, there's been some – I saw a cameraman get hit so hard yesterday. that, I, And it was, it was the Green Bay game. A Green Bay player totally drills this guy. His face mask hits the guy's face. The Green Bay guy just drops the ball, runs on the field. Didn't even look down like, oh, did I hurt this guy? I'm not kidding you. Acted like it never even happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that guy laid there for like a minute or two, Coach. All the cameramen were like, oh, no, are you all right? And, well, and a couple of them were smart, and they were taking pictures. Not only on the field, but on the sidelines. It is uh, not for the faint of heart. You better be awake out there. Sean Payton hopefully uh, doing well from his surgery. Couldn't even coach the team in the second half, right? Had to give up the play call, and he was in the. He watched the game, but he was getting treatment in the locker room uh, for a good part of the game. Yeah, his, his tibia was snapped in half. It was a compound yep. fracture, coach. And his MCL and it was, was like, oh, you got a broken bone. Let's let's get some ice on this. Let's make sure you don't bend it. No, it's like you need immediate medical assistance right now, coach. You better get off the sidelines. They had to pull him off. They had to pull him off the sidelines. Mm, we got right. a bone sticking out of a out of your skin. Sometimes you got to realize. Yes, I know an NFL coach. And I only get to do this 16 times a year. Sometimes your leg's more important. Sometimes. The pain is that much more because the Saints got beat 26-20. to Moving right along, great game here. 
Great game. I know David also watched the end of this game, New England and Dallas, back and forth. It went, and uh, Tom Brady comes through in the clutch, throws a touchdown pass of, what, about 20 seconds left, and the Patriots beat Dallas, Tony Romo, and the Cowboys heartbroken. Yeah, I, I know Aaron Anderson, Aaron Hernandez didn't have many catches in that game. He might not have had one, but when the, when the game's on the line, Tom Brady finds the open receiver, a guy mm-hmm. that he barely used all day, and he catches a touchdown pass. Watching him play quarterback coach is a freaking joy. The way he directs his, the way he directs his teammates, yep. the way that they make sure he is completely protected before they snap the football. Uh, you know, I, I, maybe I'm overplaying this to how important it is in the NFL nowadays, but you, you, how often do you see him get hit? And it isn't just because the, uh, the Patriots are such a great offensive line. It's the scheme and it's him playing the game too. The color needs to take a, a, a you know, a lesson from him, but it's just fun watching him play. So. Twenty, what is it? Twenty consecutive home wins for Tom Brady? No, uh, there's tw- uh, thirty-one consecutive home. I thought that's for the team. Twenty for the team, but Matt Castle was the quarterback in two thousand and eight. Tom Brady hasn't lost a game at home since two thousand and six. Wow, that that goes into the qualifications of real good. Yes, yes. Real that's good. why that's why it's twenty for the team and thirty one for Brady because he got hurt in, in uh yep. what about five plays into oh eight. Okay. All right. Bounce back week for the Philadelphia Eagles. They knock off Washington twenty to thirteen. LaShawn McCoy, the kid out of Pittsburgh, one of the better running backs in the NFL had a big game. Rex Grossman, big dog, intercepted four times. Mike Shanahan gave him the thumb. Yeah, well, I'm surprised AJ Hawks he didn't use AJ Hawks Chester at him. <laughs> You, you know, you look at some of those, like, the decisions weren't back. Because remember when we were, we would just be like, how could he do that as a quarterback? He made the right decision. He just made horrible throws. He underthrew a couple people, and I didn't see the fourth interception. I saw three of them, and all of them was the right decision, and all of them were bad throws. So mm-hmm. now Rex Grossman's gone from uh, being stupid to not being able to execute. Rex's interceptions are very similar to movies that debut. The first one's usually pretty good. The second one, you know, usually by the get, time you get down to the fourth, very boring and uh, just almost unwatchable. <laughs> New York Giants knock off Buffalo. The Bills bubble burst at least a little bit. Big game for Corey Webster. A couple of interceptions, including one late in the game. But uh, the Giants needed that win. Big dog. Big game for New York. They pull out a win. 27-24 in a heck of an NFC East battle. Yeah, and it was a game the Bills kind of gave away, didn't they? Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, the, the kid from Harvard, the smart guy, doesn't make any mistakes, throws a horrible pick. With the game tied in the fourth quarter, just should have thrown it away. They were in field goal position, and he throws it to a guy completely blanketed. It, and, and the Giants take the ball. They're manning, works them down the field. They kick a field goal. Giants win 27-24. Atlanta knocks off Carolina 31-17. Falcons in a bounce-back mode. Michael Turner, nice game, 139 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Cam Newton, for the first time in his NFL career, brief but effective, was a shutout. No touchdown passes for Cameron Slayton-Newton. And a couple of interceptions. Yeah, definitely. Uh, his his first bad game as a pro. We'll see how he uh, responds from this, Coach. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati over Indianapolis. The Bengals, who would have thunk it, Big Dog, quietly. Quietly, 4-2. and two. And the shocking part about this is they got a quarterback by the name of Andy Dalton, their regular quarterback, Carson Palmer, basically what, deciding he didn't want to play this year? Yeah, he He'd retired. rather play for somebody else. Yeah, he said, trade me or I'll retire. And the Bengals are one of those organizations that, like, you don't hold on, hold on, on. you don't say you're, you want to trade it because they'll be like, no, we, own, we we were created by Paul Brown. 
one of the greatest minds in NFL history. No, you don't do that to us. So they said, okay, later, Carson Palmer. Now they, they got Andy Dalton, kid from TCU, who was great at TCU. Continues to be really great for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's played phenomenal this year for a rookie coach. 25 out of 32, couple of touchdowns, and the Bengals 4-2. and two. Who would have thunk it? And speaking of who would have thunk it, Indianapolis talk. Over so far for the season, amazing. No, I, I, it's, that's, come on, coach. Let's not act like we didn't know when Peyton got hurt that it was going to be an ugly season. When no, I, no, people, I didn't. I didn't know, coach. You, I, I said they were three and thirteen. I said it. I was like, this team is there's Peyton Manning is that good, and I, maybe everybody now is going to figure out how good this guy is because you know what's going to happen is next year if Robert Mathis and Dwight Green are back defensively. They're going to be 11 and 5, 12 and 4 when Peyton Manning's playing next year. He's that good of a player that when they keep on losing by seven points, if they had Peyton Manning, they would have won by seven. He's a two touchdown. He's two touchdowns for your offense, mm-hmm. right there. All right. And finally, Baltimore knocks off Houston, 29 to 14. The Ravens keep on cooking. Billy Cundiff, their field goal kicker, had what five field goals on the Ravens' defense. Uh, good as per usual. Baltimore keeps ticking along. You know what is. They, they, they're kind of like the Giants coach. They play phenomenal and you think they're great and right when you assume they're great, they end up stubbing their toe. I that has s- been, that's the reason so far this year. So watch, they're going to lose really bad to a team they shouldn't lose to coming up soon. Yeah, watching the Ravens so far, they're definitely not great, but they are good. But I'm going to, like a true professional that I am transitioning into the world of baseball, they're reminding me a little bit right now of like the St. Louis Cardinals. Big dog, because they're a good team who you could see and clearly haven't hit any kind of greatness yet, the Baltimore Ravens. But come playoff time, they could catch fire and maybe go all the way. They they have that kind of potential. And uh, let us transfer real quick into baseball here because we now know who's going to be in the World Series. And amazingly, it's the St. Louis Cardinals. Can, can you believe it? No, Coach, I can't. Dude, uh, uh, this is unbelievable. That team isn't even any good. I know they got Albert Pujols and they got Chris Carpenter, and if you got those two players on your team, you're actually you're, you're good because everybody else will fall in the line after that. But again, let, let, honestly, the beginning of September, August, who would have ever thought St. Louis would be in the in the World Series? And even how they got in, they stumbled in. They had no pitching left, and you know they had to use Chris Carpenter last game pitch a complete game, and somehow he only gets one start in the division series, and they win that against Philadelphia. You know, if you're going up against filled up in that pitch staff, you've got to pitch Carpenter twice. They can only pitch him once, and they still won. And and now they they beat the Brewers, who I can honestly say are better than them, besides mm-hmm. they don't catch the ball well. They, the Cardinals catch the ball a lot better than the Brewers do. And now we have two teams at the beginning of the year that I am just completely dumbfounded. If you would have told me St. Louis versus <laughs> Texas, I, I would have said in a one in 10,000 shot it would be both of these teams. By the way, just as a side note, Chris Carpenter, not only in the Philadelphia series, in this Milwaukee series, their star pitcher only threw one game. They didn't need him to pitch what would have been today's game. So they beat the Brewers with Carpenter only throwing one game. So that means that he can pitch three times in the World Series, Coach. He will have a, a live, ready, and fresh arm. Absolutely, come game game one. What is it, Wednesday would, would they're starting? Twice? Would you use him twice and get two dominant performances, or would you use him three times? and see what you can get out of Because their bullpen has been so good, you could ride them th- six innings three times. Mm-hmm. i got to look where the day-offs fall, but my tendency would be to, to see. Since he's rested now, I would see if there's a way we could sneak him in for three games. Well, it, it, it would be game one and two, day off. Four, five, six, day I mean, three, four, five, 
day off and six seven. So he would pitch on more than four days rest in game one, mm-hmm. and then three days rest in game three, and three days rest in game seven. Is how it would be. Or you could pitch him game one, game four, and have him ready to go in game seven if needed. Or games one and games five and give him plenty of rest, and then have him do the Randy Johnson and, and pitch. Mm-hmm. A couple innings in game seven. Yeah, who would have thunk it? St. Louis Cardinals against the Texas Rangers. My other comment, Big Dog, is, boy, has the World Series lost its luster. We've been saying this for about three or four years, and I think this year, nothing to take away from the games or the teams, Texas and St. Louis, even though I don't think St. Louis is one of the top three or four teams. We lost the Phillies and Yankees, who proved to be the best teams over, you know, five and a half months of baseball. But just overall, the water cooler conversation, Kids today, I mean, the World Series is it's it's not a slow decline. I hate to say it, the aura, the luster of the World Series, which back in our day it was everything, I think has significantly diminished. Your thought? No, no, you're exactly right, Coach. You're, you're exactly right. And it, just from my own point of view, you know how much I'm a diehard baseball fan. I watch MLB Network all whenever I can, and and I, I watch a lot of baseball. I'm not even interested in the World Series right now. Honestly, I got a lot of other stuff going on in my life, which yeah. I do, 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 do need to get done. So, that in my you know, short amount of time that I have to actually like spend on sports, right now I'd much rather spend that on football yep. than the World Series. Yep, I'm pretty much the same way, time limiting, and I and I, I probably won't watch most of the first four games. When it gets to like game five, I start to tune in. Yeah, but this is That's you know cool. used to be must see TV from the get go, and I don't. Know, I don't know if it's anybody's fault. It might just be this, the sign of the times. But the World Series, uh, I mean, you could ask fifty percent of the kid, you know, age eight to twelve year old kids right now. Yeah, who's in the World Series? They wouldn't know. They would say Phil Helmuth and uh, oh, you mean the World Series of Poker? No, you ten year old, not the World Series of Poker. <laughs> it's exactly so, uh, right. That's exactly right. Sad but true. But uh, here we go. I, I will say this, Coach. Like, this will happen. Is I'm not gonna just from how busy and all the stuff that I have to do. I'm not going to be able to watch the beginnings of the game. But as late as these games go, yep. since they're going to be finished at 1130, mm-hmm. I will probably be able to watch the eighth and ninth innings of all these baseball yep. games. Yeah, likewise, which is which can be good stuff if it's a close game. Hey, real quick, two minutes left, Big Dog. I know you are a big racing fan. You're our auto racing expert here on the show, primarily because our general manager is too cheap to get an actual actual expert. auto racing expert. But uh, just horrific track uh, accident. Tragic death of one of the most likable guys on the uh, indie circuit, Mr. Dan Walton. You know, without question, Danny Walton is one of the most likable guys. He's probably the only guy in Formula One that everybody knows. I mean, there's Dario Franchitti. There's a couple. You know, it, it's uh, not only did they lose a good guy, they lost their superstar coach. They have, that's like their top guy. I mean, that's it's the shock that it does to the sport, and that was a horrific accident. And the fact that they have these open car. Uh, Open cars. I'm surprised stuff like this doesn't happen more, Coach. But that is that's really sad. You got to realize that guy's got family that had to, that has to see yep. that and has yep. to deal with it. That I feel real bad. I that, mean, that was as vicious a crash as I have, and I don't watch a ton, but as vicious a crash as I've ever seen in car racing. It was it was brutal. It was brutal, and I don't even know how you keep on racing. I mean, everybody liked that guy. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't like, uh, I guess, you know, if you're a colleague, even if you don't like the guy, it'd be pretty devastating to uh, mm-hmm. the day of a race. But this is like, all these guys are like, he's one of my best friends. I love mm-hmm. the guy. It's, it was, it's sad, Coach. Young guy at the age of 33, Dan Walden, who just won the uh, Indy 500. And uh, uh-huh. 
tragically passes away. Amazingly, I thought there'd be a lot more, if not death, serious injuries, but there was only three other guys went to the hospital. One of them were released, and the other two apparently not that serious, Big Dog, which watching the accident, it's amazing there weren't more significant injuries. Yeah, to be honest with you, Coach, not only that crash, all these other crashes with these open cars. And that one was, I mean, 15 cars involved, going full speed, ramming into, like, keyboning each other, flipping over each other. That was ugly, ugly incident. Mm. All right, dog, we'll do it again tomorrow. Great job. Bears are back on track. The Super Bowl train is uh, on its way. Where are we headed this year? Indianapolis? Is that the site of the Super? I I think it is Indianapolis, Coach. Well, wherever it is, we're back on track. Sounds good. Three and three. We're on the road to recovery, my friend. Behave yourself and uh, watch out for guys on Halstead Street in Greektown, okay? I I shall, Coach. Stay away. (laughs) All right. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. David Olson, producer extraordinaire, football predictor extraordinaire. Uh, Our producer, thank you so much for doing a great job. We'll do it again tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Have a great day, everybody. Two guys in a mic, talkzone.com on a sign-off.